Let's go ahead and have a word of prayer before we get started. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we love you. Lord, I really enjoyed worshiping you earlier. We love when you come close. We love to love you. We love your presence. We love to encounter you. God, I'm asking that tonight you'd release revelation into our hearts again. The great love that you have for us. That the, the behold what manner of love this is. That we would be called sons of God. That that be released into us. What manner of love. God, I'm asking that tonight you would take down barriers. You would shatter hindrances to intimacy. God, I'm praying that you'd proclaim your name in the midst of this congregation. You'd proclaim the name, your nature, in the midst of this assembly. Lord, I'm asking for a, a spirit of divine attentiveness to overtake this house even now. That we'd be connected to the Holy Spirit. We'd hear what the Holy Spirit is saying. And Lord, release your word to us. Release your word to us. Let it be a tree of life to us, God. In the name of Jesus, good, everybody said amen. We are on part six of a series that we've been doing on the Father Heart of God, and uh, it's been a good, it's been a good uh, month and a half or so that we've been on this. I feel like God's been continually moving us every week closer to His heart and, and breaking things in our paradigm and changing the way that we approach and perceive God and and it's, it's continued to energize me every week. I just feel like, man, I'm, I'm coming, you know, closer to the Lord. And, and um, tonight I want to talk about um, barriers that inhibit us from intimacy. I want to deal with, you know, uh, what uh, the reason is that some of us are having a hard time connecting. And I'm not going to give you a whole list of things. I'm really going to take aim at one or two. But uh, the reason that some of us have uh, a hindrance in um, entering into intimacy with the Lord, uh, especially with God as Father. And uh, I feel like the Lord was um, ministering some things to my heart on some unfamiliar verses to me. I mean, verses I've heard, but uh, unwrapping some stuff, uh, uncorking some things on the verses in a way that I hadn't thought of them before. And so it's, it's uh, good for me. It's good for my heart. And... Uh, I believe it, it'll help us. You know, I, I'm, I'm cognizant of this, that many times when we preach intimacy, um, the word is just as true for the person that's having the, like, landslide encounter with the Lord as it is for the person that's going, I know it's true, but I just don't, I don't sense it or feel it. I mean, the word is just as true for both. It's just, uh, with one, it seems to be penetrating, perhaps, and with the other, it's not quite penetrating. And, um, and I want to encourage your heart that, um, you know, you might be in, in that position where you hear the word on intimacy and you hear the word on God's emotions and, it, and your heart says, yes, I want that, but you have difficulty entering into the experience of that. And, and my, my big time encouragement to you is, hey, don't give up for real. Don't give up because this takes a little bit. It takes a minute. Um, and the reason why is because we, we have been uh, our whole lives indoctrinated and taught through society and experience 
that God is mad at, mad at us and that he doesn't like us and he's not kind. And so sometimes when you hear the words that God likes us, he like really likes us and he's really kind and he's interested, like you go, that sounds good, but the, the experience of it doesn't move your heart initially sometimes. And you want to believe it, but you're more in touch with shame and, and hurt and, and you know, the, the hindrances to intimacy than you are with the, actual, the actuality of God's delight in us. And so uh, I, my word to you is if, you know, you're hearing some things and, and, man, your head says, I want that, but you're having a hard time connecting, don't give up. I, I, I've been looking at God's emotions as just, I mean, just a hobby of study, um, real good for the last three and a half, four years, and I, and I find that the more I continue to approach the way that God feels about me, the more my heart comes alive every single time I approach it. It's like I get a greater entrance, a deeper entrance into the knowledge of God every single time, and I've been on it, I mean, literally in, in, in hobby form, I mean, just continually on it for about four years, just continuing to, to go back to the verses and meditate on them and pray them and, and speak them over myself and, and just, you know, study them and, and ask the Lord to give me revelation on them and, and, and trying to go deep in the knowledge of God. And, I, and I'm finding from my own heart, it continues to come alive in greater measures. And then there's old paradigms that I continue to have to fight through and, and say, okay, I know that's not true. I know this is what your scripture says about you, what your word says, and this is who you are, and this is the way you feel. And so I, I just want to encourage the heart of you. If you, know, if you go, well, I feel sometimes like two steps forward, one step back in this whole intimacy thing, and I just can barely tell if I'm, if I'm really even getting anywhere. Look, it's okay. You're okay. Just allow yourself to keep moving forward in it. Keep, uh, you know, abiding in the word. That's what Jesus said in John 15, 9. He says, you know, as the Father loves me, I have loved you. Abide in my love. And he was telling us to remain in his love for a reason. Because he knew that this thing was is a little bit of a slow burn. It, it takes on, you know, uh, it, it, it takes root in your heart after a little, little bit of time. It, it takes a little minute for that thing to get in there, connect, and then start to, you know, permeate your being. And so he goes, stay there. He says, the Father loves me. I love you. He goes, now stay there. Allow that revelation to continue to simmer. Soak in that revelation. Allow that thing to take root in your heart. And it's something that takes root in us over time. And so I just wanted to encourage the heart of us, you know, because I, I know that the, the way that that can feel, if you're hearing it and then you hear like Holly get up here and she's like, I am so in love with my bridegroom. And you go, that's fine, but I don't get it. And I've been hearing it for a while. I mean, I can understand the discouragement that that can hit. And so I just tell you, don't be discouraged. It's okay. Continue to lean in. The word is true and it will take root in you. It will begin to to move your heart. In fact, your heart probably is already moving and unlocking. You're looking for the gusher, and God's got you on the slow burn. So it's, you know, it's the five-year course is the thing I want to invite you to. I want to invite you to the, you know, the five- and ten-year course of the study of God's emotions. Like, don't tell me, you know, well, I went through the six weeks on the Father heart, you know, and I just just, just don't know. I just don't get it. And I tried, but I don't get it. Don't do the six weeks and it's up version. Do the five-year version. Don't even look up until five years. Come up for five years and see if the emotions of God have begun to impact your soul. Because I guarantee you they will. But the thing is, lock in over time. Abide in his love. That's the point I want to make. And I want to encourage you. If, it, if, it, if you feel it's moving a little bit, but it may, you, want the guy, you want the gusher and you haven't got the gusher, it's okay. 
Let this thing continue to simmer and soak. This is something we've got to feed our spirit on. We've got to feed our soul on God's emotions and let our paradigms begin to change so we can uh, comprehend him as he really is and not in some other image of who he is. Does that make sense? Good. So Proverbs 13, looking at verse 12, probably familiar little verse, but I want to hit it from a completely, uh, well, for me it's a new angle. It says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. But when the desire comes, it is a tree of life. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But when the desire comes, or when the desire is fulfilled, or when it's realized, it is a tree of life. And I want you to tuck that phrase, tree of life. Tuck that in your back pocket. We're going to hit that in a minute. That wasn't an accident that he used that phrase. Tree of life is an important phrase. I think many people live their life in the state of heart sickness. I'm not talking about love sickness. It's a different conversation entirely. I'm talking about heart sickness, where their heart is sick. Their heart is pain, uh, in pain, and their heart is uh, hurt. Their heart is sick because they've had desires for things, they've had hopes for things, and those hopes have been uh, deferred over long periods of time. That word deferred, it can be, it can be uh, applied in two different ways. It can either be delayed, hope delayed makes the heart sick, or it can be surrendered. Hope surrendered makes the heart sick. And I think a lot of people live in the hope surrendered realm uh, as it relates to uh, the issue of father and father intimacy, intimacy with father. And what I think has happened is this, and I, and I can and look around the generation, and I don't even have to, well, I don't have to take a vote, I don't have to take a poll, I know this is true. <laughs> and the generation is anybody breathing air on the planet, that's what I mean. If you're zero to 800, you count, just in case Methuselah's in the crowd. But here's how it goes. We have an inbred, innate understanding. It's, I, I mean, every person is wired to believe that uh, a father should be a certain way. Uh, because God gives us natural fathers to proclaim of his own glory. And so our innate understanding of father is one that's tender and affectionate and caring. One who is a protector and one who is interested, and one who is, you know, close and intimate. And that reality of Father is something that's wired within us so that when we um, have a relationship with a natural Father, and that natural Father is those things, it's, it, it's beginning to testify to our heart automatically of something that God already wove in, inside of our DNA, our spiritual DNA. It's testifying of the beauty and the glory of who God is as a Father. And so the, the, this this uh, desire for a close, uh, protecting, covering, affectionate dad, it's already woven in there. And so what happens many times is that uh, our experience with our natural dad isn't what our heart tells us it should be. And so rather than um, us experiencing, you know, uh, affection and care and and tenderness and protection 
Uh, many times we have fathers that are aloof. They uh, are unprotecting. They're curt uh, in their communications. Um, they, uh, many have been ignored, um, uncared for. And they've had unaffectionate interactions, some even abusive and damaging. And this is reality, beloved. And so when I begin to talk like this, everybody goes, well, it's not me. It's that person with the issues over there. Well, okay. I think in every, in every person's life, there's a little bit of that. Hope deferred because none of us have had that perfect dad yet. And so what ends up happening, I think, sometimes is this. We uh, live with hope deferred, and what that hope deferred is, is unmet expectations. Unmet expectations of what we should be receiving from our father relationship, or father figure relationships. It's all the same, really. And so because our heart lives with unmet expectations, we begin to enter into this hope deferred reality, and our hearts begin to grow sick. Now, here's what happens with many people. They will live their entire life in the hope-deferred reality as it relates to their fathers, and it'll move into unforgiveness. It just, it just lands at unforgiveness. It just stays there. And so what it looks like is this. Inside, and you've never, maybe never had this conversation, but inside you're saying, you weren't there for me. You didn't do what a dad was supposed to do. You didn't take care the way I expected you to take care. You didn't love me the way you were, going, you were supposed to love me. You weren't affectionate. You weren't kind. And you didn't cover me the way a father is supposed to cover. And therefore, I, my heart is hurt and broken and bruised because you didn't do what you were supposed to do. And that argument many times runs rampant within our heart, whether we ever articulate it or not. But when the issue of father comes up, we have this barrier. We've got this issue because dad wasn't what dad was supposed to be. And that's just reality. And when I look at a young generation right now, I tell you, I look at a young generation who is absolutely living in the throes of, of a heart sickness over their father relationships. They are living in the throes. I, I, I marvel at the, the, uh, the interesting loss of identity in our young generation. A complete loss of identity. And, and, and it goes back to the father, father thing, and here's why. You have a young one, a, a, a young son or a daughter, and perhaps they grow up and they never know their, their uh, biological father. And so the biological father leaves them uh, maybe leaves the marriage, maybe it's a divorce situation, and leaves them at a young age. They don't really even know their uh, biological father. The mom gets remarried. So the child's name will be, let's call it Smith. The mom's name is now remarried Johnson. And you have a child living in a home. He's called by a name of a man he doesn't even know. And the name of something is the nature of that thing. That person has the nature, and I mean the name of someone that they don't even know the nature of. How do you expect that one to have an identity? They're not connected to Johnson. They have a name of a man they don't even know. How are they going to have an identity, beloved? Guys, this is where we live. This is welcome to 2007. And I can't think of something more painful to the heart of someone that's trying to get an identity that's 20 you know, if you're past 20, you realize that when you were 20, you're going, okay, I don't know everything, and I need to figure something out. 
about 17, you just realize you know everything. It's amazing how that works. 16, you start coming into something. 17, you are a brain. You know everything at 17. 2021, I don't know. It kind of wears off. You don't know anything. And you're groping for reality and groping for truth and groping for identity. And, I mean, that thing just goes for a while. You know, I'm, I'm getting, I'm past that mid, midway 30s. I'm going, I, I don't know this thing very well. I need to know something. When is the knowledge going to come, you know? I was looking in the mirror. I was like, ooh, those are gray hairs. That's good wisdom. Come on. In the name of Jesus. But that groping for knowledge, that groping for identity at 20, 21. I mean, it is absolutely something everybody goes through. And I'm looking around and I'm noticing a, a whole generation. They don't have any identity in, in their relationships with Father. And then because of that, their hearts are sick. They're pained. And they're hurt. And then we want to pull this card. God loves you. The Father likes you. And that's like an almost impregnable barrier. I mean, how do you get past that? All the life situations and all the heart sickness and and the hope deferred of 20-something years, and you're going to try to introduce them into a a father that's kind? They've never had one interaction with a natural father that was really, really kind. And I'm looking into this, and I said, Abba, I... We need help. We need a whole generation delivered of this unforgiveness, of unmet expectations. We need the wounds and the anger and the barriers and the pain. We need that thing destroyed so that we can come into intimacy with who you are. That whole heart-sick reality, God, we need it healed. We need it healed. And, and, and I'm just bold enough to stand here and tell you, it's not just for the 20-year-olds. 40-year-olds, 60-year-olds, it's not. Because whereas this generation has had challenges with the father area, each of the preceding generations has had dramatic challenges with the father areas, and we're in a 100-year cycle in America, of incredible uh, dysfunction as it relates to family. Many of you grew up in the era of children should be seen and not heard. And you never had one tender interaction with your dad. And I, you know, I look at that and I go, how do you get then into belief? How do you, how do you then believe if you've never had a tender interaction with a father? How do you believe in a father that's tender? an eternal father that's tender. Unless revelation breaks in upon us and the barriers are shattered, I mean, we've got to have God come. We've got to have the spirit of wisdom and revelation break in upon us. And I'm convinced that what anchors us to heart sickness and in turn anchors us to barriers that inhibit us from experiencing intimacy with God is unforgiveness. I'm convinced of it. Because that pain is real. What happened is real. Or what didn't happen is real. And in fact, I want to say this. I believe that when, when you've been ignored um, or uh, affection has been withheld, 
I believe that's just as abusive to the soul as, as, uh, as if you've been uh, physically abused. If you've been ignored or affection has been withheld, if you've just been pushed to the side, I believe that's just as, as bu- abusive as someone who's been physically abused in their soul. So many walls and barriers go flying up. It's strange how that thing uh, is so, the soul is so, uh, it's so sensitive and tender. The Lord made it that way. But I'm convinced that the way that we come out of heart sickness is uh, forgiveness. I can remember being uh, 21 and, and wanting a father. And my dad and I had gone through some challenges in our relationship. We had um, been apart for a season. He had been working in another city. And then, and then uh, you know, then he was living in another city. And, and we had gone through some challenges in our relationship. And I remember not being as close to my dad as I wanted to be. And I remember at 21 thinking, I'm a legal adult man, and all I want is a dad. What is going on with me? And the, the desire for that, that father relationship, uh, it, I, it, was, it was overwhelming how much how bad I wanted that to be met. And I realized, you know what? I've got stuff in my heart that's negative against my dad. And, and I remember thinking, am I going to be a guy that for the rest of my life is severed in relationship from him, or is there another option? And, and the severed in relationship option was looking pretty bright. And I remember thinking, my dad, uh, how do I get in relationship with him? How does this work out? How do... Wow. There's a barrier. There's a, there's a gap. There's a chasm here. How do I fix it. He doesn't even, you know, I'm thinking, he doesn't understand me. I'm 20. He doesn't know what I think. I mean, how do we get past this? And I, I was freshly saved, newly saved. And I remember the Lord speaking to me. And he said, you are expecting your dad to be somebody. He's just not. You're trying to make him into your image of what a good dad is. And your image of what a good dad is isn't the perfect image of what a good dad is anyway. And you're holding things against him and you're trying to push him into a a, a box that's just not him and you need to decide to let him off the hook. You just need to let him off the hook. He didn't go to how to be Billy's good dad 101 classes. And he began to speak to my heart about, you know, his, uh, my dad's encounters with his dad growing up and, and, you know, that whole thing. And I began to realize that I was putting an expectation on my dad, A, that he didn't know about, and B, that he was not going to fulfill because it wasn't who he was. Did my dad have good qualities at that age in my life? Absolutely he did. But I couldn't see them because I had an expectation that was unmet that I wanted him to fill. And since he wasn't filling it for me, I was, you know, heart sick. And in fact, my hope was no longer deferred. It was surrendered. I had just given up hope on ever having a good relationship with him until the Lord began to speak, with, speak to my heart. And I remember just going through it. I remember telling him, I, I remember saying, Dad, I, I just want you to know I let you off the hook. I've had expectations over you that... They're not 
who you are and I, and I just I just want to start over and and I just let's just start over and and I and I'm sorry for having these expectations over your life and in my heart I just I forgive my dad for whatever I was holding against him it's over and I remember pressing the delete button and just starting over and I'm not going to tell you okay day 1 I'm 21 and day 1 now that man it was just super from that moment forward I mean it wasn't but you know what ended up happening was we began to grow closer and closer over the years. And you know how the Lord has a way of bubbling your junk to the surface. And he would just show me over the years. You know, you go through the healing and you go through the, the prayers and they cast it out and they put it in and they impart it. And then they spin you around, sit you down, duck, duck, goose, all of it. Okay, so they did it all to me. And I remember, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm in the ministry. I'm a, I'm a pastor. And I remember we were in the, move, in the middle of this move of the Spirit. And I have this encounter with my father on the phone and something explodes up in me and I'm yelling at my dad and my office door is open. I'm like, bah, bah, bah. hold on a second. Shut the door. Bah, 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 bah. <laughs> you know, back yelling at him on the phone. And I'm thinking, what is this? I've been healed, imparted, cast out, cast in. How could I be yelling at my dad? Well, just going through healing over time. The Lord knows how to peel the onion one little layer at a time. And I remember coming out of that situation and repenting and forgiving and starting over again and just allowing the Lord to continue to unravel this father mystery in my heart. And uh, it's a progress. It's a, it's, it's a continual work. And it's been, this, this last 15 years has been wonderful. And uh, my dad and I have a wonderful relationship. My dad's not here tonight, so I'm talking about him. <laughs> but uh, he come, my dad comes to IHOP. My dad's almost, he's, you know, he's 70, and he comes and listens to me preach every week, and he answers altar calls and weeps. Like, what's the deal? It's good. And uh, it's a progress. It's a process. And I just believe that we are largely heartsick. And when we are heart sick because of unmet expectations and that thing is lodged in there through unforgiveness, we end up with a barrier uh, that inhibits us from being able to encounter intimacy not just with human fathers and father figures but with the Heavenly Father. And that heart sickness and that barrier is something I think that the Lord wants to deal with. He wants to remove that. and I believe that I know that. The Lord wants you to absolutely experience the gusher of the, the love of God. He wants you to experience the, the full onslaught of the Father's affections. He wants to remove the barriers. And... Uh, we have to come to the place of forgiveness in order for that to happen, beloved. We really have to come to the place of forgiveness. We've got to let our fathers off the hook. And we've got to let our father figures off the hook. And, for, and where we have, where we have um, internalized hurt and pain and, and uh, you know, unmet expectations because of fathers and father figures, we've got to be able to say, you know what? I'm letting them off the hook. I release that. I'm pressing press and delete, and I'm going to allow the Lord to, to work in me 
what's got to happen in me so that I can experience intimacy. And uh, isn't it amazing, you know, um, when Jesus said that the heart is exceedingly wicked, he knew what he was talking about. Isn't it amazing how we can hear truth and our, our, we'll bow up in our soul, in our heart, knowing that the truth is the truth, knowing the truth applies to us, and still not wanting to embrace truth. I was, um, I was angry recently, and, and the Lord was saying to me, he goes, you just need to begin to say the name Jesus. You just need to begin to say the name Jesus. Okay, I'll tell you what was going on. I was in a fight with my wife. I'm fighting with my wife, like every good preacher should. No, not should, but does. And don't, doesn't confess it. And I'm fighting with my wife, and, I'm, and, I'm, and the Lord's speaking to me. He goes, you just need to say Jesus. And I'm thinking, I need to say Jesus. I, I, need, I need to say that name. There's power in the name. Oh, what a sweet name. The name of, I'm thinking to myself, I need to say that name. That's the name I need to say. <laughs> yep. If I say the name Jesus, it's going to change everything in here right now. It'd be good. I could preach a whole message on saying the name of Jesus. And there was a wrestle in me. And the other side of my head, I was going, I'm not saying the name of Jesus right now. I'm mad. If I start saying the name of Jesus, she's going to say, I knew it. You're wrong. You need to repent. And, and I'm thinking, I am not going to repent because I'm mad and she's wrong. And the Lord's going, if you'll say the name of Jesus, this anger will leave you. I'm going, I know I should do that, but I don't want to. Truth was, guys, truth is staring me in the eye. But my pride wouldn't have let me, wouldn't let me just be humble and just go, Jesus. And I don't know how many minutes I wrestled with that, but it was either say Jesus or say something I was going to be sorry for. So somehow the Holy Spirit on the inside of me enabled me to say Jesus. And I said it about 17,000 times. Jesus, 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 help me. I repent, honey. I'm wrong. It's amazing how truth can be staring you in the eye. But your own pride won't allow you to step into the truth. You know what I've realized about myself? 100% of the time when I'm mad at somebody, one zero zero percent of the time when I'm mad at someone, I'm angry at them, I'm in pride. 100%. Every time. Not 99.99995. 100% of the time, every time. If I'm mad, if I'm frustrated, I'm wrong. For sure. And if I'm manifesting it, then I'm really wrong. <laughs> and what will keep anger moving in me is my own pride. But if I'll humble myself, pride, you know, gets crippled, and then all of a sudden anger doesn't have anything to hang on to. 
and I can say the name of Jesus and I can repent and I can enter into truth and I can experience healing and I can experience love the barriers go down my heart opens up isn't it amazing how we'll live our whole life with our heart locked down in unforgiveness locked down in pain locked down in unmet expectations and we won't forgive because of pride and the whole time we're holding somebody in unforgiveness guess who the prison bars are around us we're holding them in unforgiveness but we're the one in in jail the answer for us to get out of heart sickness is to let our fathers off the hook and the one who forgives the barriers will come down the heart will open up and they will begin to experience the affections of the father they'll begin to flow back and forth in love with the eternal father you let your fathers off the hook you let them go clear the slate get rid of the expectations I tell you the walls will come down your heart will open up and you will experience the emotions of the good father who is tender who loves you who is caring who is the protector who's the one that's looking after you he's the one that's thinking about you I was reading that verse the other day as many as are the sands of the seashore are his thoughts about me He's thinking about me a lot. He must really like me to be thinking about me that much. I don't know if that makes you happy, but he likes me. Oh my. And you can move in that intercourse of of affection with the Lord. It's true with fathers it's true with father figures it's true with spiritual fathers all these unmet expectations we anchor to they hold us in unforgiveness they cause barriers to to be up in our lives and they inhibit intimacy and god wants to get us out of that flip over with me to genesis 3 i want to show you a few things am i communicating is this okay so far we okay I really believe, for real, you can be healed tonight, for real. You really could be. Genesis 3, verse 22, it's one of the most sad chapters in the Bible. Adam rebels against the Lord and, and chooses to sin. And the Lord says in verse 22, he says, Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us to know good and evil. He eats of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And now, lest he put out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever, therefore the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to the ground, to till the ground from which he was taken. So he drove out the man and he placed a cherubim at the east of the garden of Eden and a flaming sword which turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. 
That's interesting. Verses. I can't find another verse that says he ever took that cherubim away. Best I can tell right now, the tree of life is still in that place called the Garden of Eden, and there's still an angel there swinging a sword around this tree of life, guarding the path to the tree of life. How bizarre. Like, is he just confusing everybody? I mean, it's like you're on the path, you go, "Mm, I don't know. I mean, how does that go? A flaming sword with a cherubim is guarding this tree. Why? Because that guy that knows good and evil, man, could eat the tree of life and live forever, it says. You know what's interesting in Revelation 2, when we get there, you know what Jesus says? I'm going to give you fruit from the tree of life. That's cool. This thing has been getting guarded by an angel since the beginning of creation, but when we get there with Jesus, he is going to take fruit off of this tree, hand it to us, and you know what's going to happen? You're going to live forever. Now, how does that work? He ties eternal life to the fruit that's coming off a tree? I don't know, but that's God, and he does it. It's cool. It's exciting. That tree is also, it shows up in the heavenly Jerusalem. Revelation 22. And that tree lines the river that comes out, and the river is fed. The source of the river is the throne of God. Same tree, tree of life. I thought, man, that is the coolest thing. He's going to pick fruit off of the tree whose roots are going down into soil and and, and those roots are pulling nutrients from the water source that is the river of life whose source is the very throne of God. Well, of course you live forever if you eat the fruit. It only makes sense. It said even the leaves cause entire nations to be healed. Somebody wonders, how's the ground and the nations going to be healed in the age to come? How, is, how are they going to turn you know, the desert into streams of water? I think they're going to take a few of the leaves from the tree of life. They're going to put them in the ground, and that thing is going to flourish. And all of a sudden, you know, water courses are going to break out. How are you going to get a lion to lay down with a lamb? You're going to feed him a leaf <laughs> off the tree of life. And he's going he's to be filled, invigorated with the nature of God, I guess. Just a thought, maybe, maybe not. But I don't think that it's any uh, coincidence that the writer of Proverbs uses tree of life. I think what he's trying to describe is he's talking about the the actual tree of life. He's, He's talking about a reality of you entering into something with God when desires that you are wired for are actually met. And here's how it has to go. We have unmet desires, unmet things that are anchoring to us through unforgiveness. We do the, and then therefore barriers are are up. So what happens is this. We do the forgiveness. The, the, The barriers come down, and all of a sudden we get this interplay with heaven And what's he saying? He's saying it will be so satiating to your heart when you experience the met desires of the eternal Father's affection for you. It's a tree of life. You're going to experience the nourishment from the tree of life. You're going to experience the protection 
of the tree of life. You're going to experience the comfort of the tree of life. You're going to experience the life of the tree of life. See, that's who the Father is. See, that tree of life, the hope, when the hope comes, when, the, when it's filled, it's a tree of life. He's talking about the Father. The Father ministering life. And I was looking at that and I was thinking, the Father is the life giver. He is the one who fills us with life. What a, what a terrible way to live all your days on this earth, bound with a heart of unforgiveness and unmet expectations, foreign from the life of God. Yet when the desire comes, it's a tree of life. I, wanna, I, want, I don't know about you, but I know about me. I want to interface with the one who is life. I want the Father to fill me with all that He is. I want to encounter Him. I want my soul to just absolutely flourish because I'm touching God. And whatever the barrier, whatever the hindrance is that's cutting off the source of life to me, whatever it is that's imbuing my knowledge of God, whatever it is that's you know, cranking up the hose so the flow can't come, I want it out. I want life to come. I want it to come. I want it to be filled with this. The throne of God, it feeds the river of life. The tree of life is fed by the, the river that comes from the throne. I want to eat of that. I want a tree of life of encounter with God. I want to live that way. I don't want to live foreign from the life of God. If I can know Him as Father, I want the barrier out of the way so I can experience Father. The Father is the life giver in a family. You know who the life giver is in the family of God? The Father. I want His life to fill me. The Father is the one that said to the Son, I will give you the power to give life. It's a tree that covers. The tree of life is the tree that covers. You ever seen a little kid? I have, because I have three of them. <laughs> but they come up to you and they'll just say whatever. I mean, just whatever. My boys, man, they just trip me out. Dad, I was thinking about something. You were? Yeah, Dad, your stomach is big. <laughs> is that right? Oh, yeah. It's fat. Really? That same little boy, he said that to other people, too. Except he didn't call it fat. He called it bam. Yeah, how do you explain that to the teacher? You know, he didn't mean your stomach was bam. He meant it was bam. I mean... Why is he like that? <laughs> I've asked the Lord many times. No, I mean, he has a unique confidence. 
and he just feels covered. His dad isn't bigger than any of the other dads, but he thinks he is. He knows that his dad's got him covered. So he's confident. He's bold. They're all that way. I'm not super dad. I mean, I just, I just, I spank them hard, I play with them hard, and I kiss them hard. I mean, that's what I do. Hug them hard. That's what I do. But he, my little boy, he knows he's covered. And he acts a certain way. You've met little kids like that. They walk up to you, talk to you, look you in the eye, tell you what they think. And then you've met the ones that they have that little orphan thing on them. They're scared to death of people. They won't talk. They run away, they cling, they're fearful. I'm not saying every little kid that's ever gotten spooked by an adult has got the orphan thing, but you know what I'm saying, you, you know the difference, you've been there. The same with us. When we feel covered by the eternal Father, when you feel covered by the eternal Father, what are you afraid of again? I mean, you're just like, come on, devil. <laughs> I have a can of whoop I want to serve you. I mean, you're just like, you know, you just feel like you and God are so, I just, you know, I'll just take them all on. I want all the demons. Bring some principalities. You just, my dad's bigger than your dad. It's just the case. You know what I mean? You just, he's a tree of life. He covers, he cares for you. Provides for you. He's watching after you. That's the Father. With desires met at the tree of life. I want that with the Father. I want confidence in love. Because I know my dad's got my back. I don't want any barriers inhibiting me from experiencing confidence with him. I'm getting an amen from a baby. I mean, it's just, she's like, that's true. tree of life has fruit it nourishes you God's the nourishing God amen Uh, just for the record I'm getting amen by a three month old right now it's amazing The nourishing, cherishing God. That's who he is. All right, you need a break. (laughs) He nourishes us. He provides everything we need. He takes care of us. He feeds us. He loves us. He's looking after us. You ever been out in the sun and it was blazing hot and you found a tree that had a little bit of shade? And I mean, it goes 10 degrees cooler. And it goes from 90 to 80. And I mean, it feels like it goes to 60 because it's so good. And you get up under that shade and you are so comforted. You know what 2 Corinthians 1 says about him? It says that he comforts us. He comforts us in all of our afflictions. You know what they, it calls him in 2 Corinthians? You got to turn over. Okay, turn over. 2 Corinthians 1. You got to see this. The name that he calls himself. 
verse 3. 2 Corinthians 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. He's the tree of life, man. He is, he is the one that when the sun is beating down and you find shelter and everything is okay. The Father of mercies. The God of all comforts. Comforts us in all of our afflictions. All of our afflictions. I want to run to him. I want to jump in the arms of my daddy. Because you know what? I'm acquainted with afflictions living in a fallen world. I'm acquainted with them. But my dad's name is the God of all comforts. He goes, I want to live inside of you. I will send the comforter. So I can make my home in you. Who is the God that sends the comforter to take care of us? The Father of mercies. The God of all comforts. He's the tree of life. He's the tree of life. In Psalm 1 it says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Another translation says, it sits in the seat of the scoffers. He'll be like a tree planted by rivers of water. It'll bring forth its fruit in season. Its leaves will not wither, and it will prosper in whatever it does. And I was looking at Psalm 1, I was looking at our verse there in Proverbs, and I was thinking to myself, those two realities are exactly the same. See, the one with the hope deferred that's got the heart sick, that's not experiencing the tree of life, many times it's hope surrendered. And when we surrender our hope, we move into the seat of the scoffer. We go, you know what? God doesn't love me. He doesn't care. I've been through what I've been through. He wasn't there. He doesn't know. Just look at everything that I've had to go through myself all alone. All the abuse that I've been through. I've been abandoned. God doesn't know. And we scoff at his goodness. He goes, no, no. Blessed are you if you will not sit in that seat. If you will believe that he is the God of all comforts. He goes, it's a tree of life to you. You'll be planted by the river water. What's he saying? He goes, you're going to experience the tree of life. Psalm 1 is telling us you'll experience the tree of life if you won't get into that place of heart sickness. I want to tell some of you, listen, I want to tell, you, tell some of you, you can believe again. You can hope again. Maybe your dad won't ever be the picture-perfect dad that you wanted him to be. You know what? It's okay. Let him off the hook. Let him off the hook. 
Just press delete, let him off the hook. And watch the barriers around your heart come down. Watch your heart open up. And watch you flow back and forth in love with the God who is the tree of life. You know what? Then you'll be able to flow with your dad in the natural a lot better. I want to tell you, you can hope again. You can believe again. You can get out of this unforgiveness. Your heart doesn't have to be sick. Now please, please, please hear me. Your heart doesn't have to be sick anymore. It doesn't have to be. Your hope doesn't have to be surrendered anymore. There's a father that loves you. He's numbered every hair on your head. He thinks about you all day long. And then when he gets, uh, you know, something that breaks in, he's got a global principality coming and attacking. And he, his thoughts are deferred just for a moment on something else. They're, they're, there's a place for just a moment. He's got eight legions of angels. And he said, they say, we've got an issue over here. He goes, all right, we're going to handle that. He goes, now what was I thinking about? He looks at his hand where your name is written. Because when he was thinking about you, he was writing your hand on the palm of his, writing your name on the palm of his hand. That's your daddy. It's a tree of life. I want to encourage you to hope again. I want to encourage you to enter into unfor- uh, enter into forgiveness, to get rid of unforgiveness. I want to encourage you to to refuse to sit in the seat of scoffers. The one that scoffs is the one that says, I have lost hope. Don't sit in that seat. I love the way the Lord feels right now. I love what He's doing right now. In some cases, some of you are going to need to, you're just going to need to go to your dad. Just going to need to go to your natural father and go, you know what? I am so sorry. But I, in my heart, I separated from you. And I, I want to ask you to forgive me for doing that. I had wrong expectations of you. And I want to let you know that I love you and I'm letting you off the hook of my expectations. And I want to have a good relationship with you. Please forgive me. And I believe the barriers are going to fall for you. Man, I just feel like the Lord is just hanging around right now. Just hanging around with us. He's just being tender to us. I feel like there's a real invitation for so many of us in truth come Holy Spirit come Holy Spirit come Holy Spirit God, grant us grace. Grant us grace. 
God, where we've been abused and abandoned. We've been hurt. Where our fathers, God, they haven't met our expectations. We're wired for intimacy with you. But we allowed our heart to become sick. And then we anchored to that heart sickness through unforgiveness. God, we want to forgive. Abba, you're the tree of life. You're the one who brings the desire to fulfillment in us. You're the tender, affectionate daddy. You're the one who loves to talk to us. You love to be with us. You love to think about us. You love to hold our hand. You love to care for us. You love to protect us. You love to deliver us because we release such pleasure in your heart. Come, Holy Spirit. Fight us into healing, God. Heal our heart sick. Heal our heart sickness. Grant us the grace of forgiveness.